Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian, joined as always by my good mate Lockie and wow, the Blues are fallen to 15th on the ladder after Doesn't another horror showing, this time against big rivals Essendon. It's it's a weird time to be following Carlton. You just mm. At the start of the season, you were just definitely not expecting us to be in this position. and It seemingly just keeps getting worse, but we'll get into all the chat about the game against the Can't Bombers, wait. but Lockie, I've got to tee this off by asking, how are you going, mate? Oh. How are you going? <laughs> One of my favorite parts of the episodes now, just that <laughs> how are you icebreaker. <laughs> um, I'm going to give a little spoiler. If people don't like me being reasonably positive in times like this, then this may not be the episode for you because I'm oh, wow. actually feeling, I'm feeling reasonably positive considering we're sitting 15th. So that's just a little precursor. Well, I feel like we're going to need that because I definitely am the polar opposite to that right cool. now. I know a lot of fans are. We tend to probably be known as a bit more of a positive spinning podcast in a way. So I'm very keen to dive into this, see where you're feeling, because <laughs> I think we all need some sort of a pick-me-up. It's a weekly therapy and yeah, where we are right now is not where we want to be. We need to sort it out. And yeah, Lockie, I'll, I'll start off with this because mm. this game... It was just such an incredible chance for us to get a win against a, a team that isn't seen yeah. as honestly that good. They had some outs. Good time to get some confidence back, really help galvanize not only the players, but I think the fans with it being such a big rivalry against Essendon. A win would mean so much more than the four points, so much more than Definitely. just trying to start us getting out of this rut. Um, third quarter happens. And the game is basically done by three-quarter time. I guess what I want to yep. really get to is leaving that game, Lockie. How did you feel at the time? And what were your kind of hmm. feelings towards what happened, where we are now, what's going to happen for the rest of the season? Because I know that was where I was at, trying to look at all of those three phases of it all and trying to deal with my emotions at that stage. So I'm really keen to mm. hear what you sort of felt after that game and and how you're looking at the season moving on from now? I think part of the positivity that I have at the moment is trying to look at things in a bit more isolation. So I tried to be like, all right, let's just forget about everything before this game and let's not worry about what this is going to mean for finals the rest of the season. Let's just kind of look at this in isolation. And then if I also look at the two different halves in isolation, I know we're getting Mm. really uh, finicky here, it's like obviously that third, the third quarter was disgusting and not yeah. the kind of football that we want to play. And leaving the game, I didn't feel that positive about a whole lot. Watching the first half back today on the replay gave me a lot more confidence than I felt at the ground in the way that we were taking the risks, moving the ball, being smarter, getting what I think are high percentage shots on goal. And that's why I'm looking at that and going, okay, that first half has at least the blueprint of how we turn this around. Where the last couple of weeks, it's like, this feels hopeless. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I guess just be almost a rebuttal or follow-up on that because we will Please touch do. on the first half. We will talk about the second half. I guess my kind of question to it is, I, I understand you're looking at the, trying to look at it in isolation. I, I find that somewhat difficult because of, I guess the way that it did capitulate in that third and knowing that Mm -hmm. there was such a a stark contrast and knowing that it's another loss and it's been so similar to how other ways have gone. What kind of gives you a bit more 
glass half full in the way that that first half or, or when you perceived us playing better football mm. is what we can expect compared to more of that when the pressure was there, when the game was on the line, we faltered. Because that's kind of like my main yeah. whole thing. And I'll, we'll get into obviously the, the nitty gritty of the game in more detail later. But as an overall thing, what's kind of giving yeah. you the hope that that first half was a bit more of what we can do knowing from pretty much the, the last half of last year onwards that we haven't really been able to get anywhere near that consistently at all, particularly with this group coaching and, and playing wise. I think that we know that every team gets runs in a game of football and, and that, you know, it's, it goes, every team has their chances yeah. and Essendon came hot out of the gate and they didn't really, they didn't really punish us. And then I thought for a quarter and a half there, that was our turn and we were great and we didn't punish them. They kicked a couple to end that first half and they were in front and I they just 100% should not have been winning that game. Mm. And I think one of the biggest issues that we're having right now, not like this is not uh, groundbreaking stuff here, <laughs> is the mental aspect of yeah. this. And the fact that we were whatever it was, three goals, 10 going into halftime, I think that's kind of what laid the way for a really disappointing third mm. quarter. So I'm I'm looking at that third quarter as something that look it was it's not great, but I believe that we can we can have we can have these games where teams get on top of us for patches, and we're still winning comfortably, which is what I believe this game could have been if we did the right things. And we can talk about when we dissect it, but yeah, I think that first half, like genu- genuinely, we probably should have been four or five goals up in my mm. opinion. No, I agree with the first story. half. Yeah, I definitely agree with the first half. In, in we we needed to be higher on the on the scoreboard, and definitely in front. And you never know what happens from that. I guess yeah, my brain and it's it's where we obviously differ on this, which is good. It's about time we we sort of disagree with something. We were due. I know, and like I'm obviously so deflated because like oh look, I didn't expect the win, but. I was hoping that this was the game that we started to turn things around and just knowing what would Same. happen if we lost, particularly just everything gets built up so much more when it's a rival at this time of year, depending on how we do lose this game of football. And and I think for me, the hard thing is to try and separate it because I'm looking at it and it's it's the same things that keep going wrong with this group. It's that same seemingly mental burden that, they keep mm-hmm. crumbling when the pressure's there. And knowing we've got Gold Coast coming up this week, the pressure just gets higher and higher. If you lose that, God knows what happens on the back of that. But for me, it's it's quite difficult to see us winning these games and turning things around when it looks where certain elements, particularly structurally, mentally, almost everything in between, that we're just nowhere near it at all. And when it's there, it's it's I still see so many issues with it. And maybe that's where we'll get onto it potentially in this talking about the first half. Um, sure. Did you have any kind of rebuttal to that? I don't just want no, to cut no. you off. Stay my piece, no, not at all. piece and, and then jump in. That's okay. That's okay. Let's keep going. Easy. So yeah, first quarter. And I wanted to ask about this, this first half, because I feel like it's not getting spoken about much in the aftermath of this. The focus is on that third quarter. So yep. we will get to that. We'll talk about the start of it first. And what were you thinking at halftime? Because I just hmm. want to throw some random stats at you. Halftime, Please. Well, plus 11 contested possessions, plus 12 ground balls, plus nine inside 50s, plus four for shots on goal. And particularly in that second quarter, this is courtesy of, of Kane Corns. You're getting these next stats. So maybe shout out to him for once. 
32 disposals in the positive, plus 22 contested possessions, plus 17 ground balls, plus 10 inside 50s. That was that second quarter. So I guess what did you make of that first half, um, Lockie? Yep, for sure. Wow, look at you doing some cane quoting. <laughs> I, I like to see that. Uh, hearing him the last couple of days as well, I feel like he's more positive on us than maybe you are right now, which is uh, I've never thought <laughs> I'd ever say the day. Um, I guess my key takeaway and and from watching this at the ground and then um, mm. the the replay today, I felt like we look completely different offensively mm. in that first half. Players were taking risks at good times. Players were getting into position for switching in the middle of the ground. And we were actually, most of the time, it's not, it wasn't perfect, but trying to bite those off. And I thought the five, uh, I think it was five behinds that we had, and then one other uh, attempt from Motlop who didn't score. I thought all, all of them were the right decisions on goal and all were more likely to be goals than not. They said in the commentary, they're taking a lot of long-range, low-percentage shots right now, which I'm sure they're discussing in the coach's box, which I just completely disagree with. No, I think it's really. I think it was. T- I think it's well. Charlie wheeling around from outside fifty is to me a high percentage thing, which there was three when you have of. Other options around though, is that the right thing to do in that moment when you have a few other options around and you maybe don't need to rush it as much at that time? I I'm I'm not sure that there was better options in my opinion. I think the Motlop one where he blazed is probably and didn't score. That was probably the one that I looked at and thought there was guys streaming in that situation. For me, I want Charlie Kerno to be having those shots on goal. Okay, he's the best forward in the competition for a reason. And I, and that's one of the issues or one of the things that I've been asking for this past month is us not having those outside fifty looks. When seemingly the option is there, and instead we're take we're 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 going to the contest, which is feels safe, but it's lower percentage. So I personally like the fact that we're doing that. The Chincotta one came off, mm. um, and I think most of the time we would have. I think we were, I guess we were one goal five. I think we would have kicked more of those than missed, in my opinion. Hmm. No, look, yeah, it's, it's tough because obviously we obviously have a differing opinion. So it's I'm not looking to try and convince you on it. I don't think you're trying to convince me on it. I think my no, my take of my the thoughts. of those of those opportunities was that I the Charlie one stands out because I feel like at that stage, correct me if I'm wrong, we had Mr. Couple there. Yep. And so it just felt like a bit of a rush on him where a few times he just looked to wheel and go quickly. Whereas I thought if he just took a second, then maybe it was time to wheel around and go. And you still would have had that open goal square. Just felt like he was rushing it a little bit. I thought particularly with Charlie and then, yeah, like the low percentage just comes from the area, obviously of where they are kicking it. Everything's outside 50, everything's on a wider angle. And that's the frustration for me where with the ball movement and the negative connotations of it, is the structure forward of where we have the ball is so poor that we weren't getting any players in these positions. And that's where my frustration comes from us seemingly not getting it all right in that first half when we were definitely better is that when we got the ball, we had no options. No one was forward ahead of the ball. There was no leading patterns 
in great spots. How many times were our two key forwards high up the ground together? And it's like, well, who's deep? Mm -hmm. Who's rushing forward? I didn't feel like we had the options where we needed to in space. And the only times we got them were outside 50 when we did so well in getting that build-up play that I think was definitely better. But it was just Mm -hmm. we weren't generating nicer shots on goal. And then you look at Essendon when they go down, it was uncontested mark, 20 out directly in front. Like, and we just weren't creating... We weren't creating those options. There was definitely one in the second quarter, particularly. Um, I think it was might have been Nick Martin that got one or yeah. someone. There was yeah. definitely a couple, but yep. it was that's fair. Just the frustration of the ball getting in better areas for them, whereas we were taking ours from further out. And I think that's where my frustration lies in the look we could have got better from. And the Motlop one was bad. He could have kept running. He could have looked for the hands. And, and it felt like that was the case for me when looking at those scoring sure. options. Yeah, I, I respect that. And yeah, I, I like we're not going to, I'm not, I'm also not <laughs> expecting them to kick seven goals straight. Like the Motlop one yeah. is, you know, that's that. Um, yeah, yeah, I think, like, yeah, I think we kind of agree, disagree on this because I think it's like this was something different that I was seeing. And that's what I wanted. We weren't mm. just going to, like, they, I, I, I think if we went back and looked, every time if we went, tried to lower our eyes in one of those circumstances, we were going to be outnumbered because they were fighting back because I see that all the, all the teams do this to us and we're just dumb and kick it to the top of the square up nice and high. And in that first quarter, we weren't doing that. Like, man, I must have more faith than you because I thought, I wrote down Charlie's set shot. I reckon he would kick nine out of 10 of them normally. And then outside 50 on the run. He loves these. And then the same again. The fact that he kicks zero goals four is just not what we come to expect mm. from him in those positions. Yeah. But is that not a problem for you when you, when you are sort of saying there that we're getting the ball in a certain position and we're not able to get players free inside 50. You're talking about like the opposition flooding back and taking the space and there's being out numbers and there's being these issues and we're not smart enough to take the right option. Is that an issue for you where other teams seemingly are able to continue to find these players and get their forwards in better positions? And I thought not? we did a better... I thought we did a better job of this in the second quarter. I'm just thinking about the first one. Yeah, here second and quarter we did definitely better. I'm just thinking about those seven opportunities that we had to score where we got one goal five. All I'm mm. saying is I think next week we could do the exact same thing and that'd be more like five goals mm. one or five goals two. Yeah. Which is why yeah, I, I think, was positive about this. Yeah, I guess I said in that first quarter, I think a lot of them, I guess for me, were probably a little bit more just rushed in the yeah, decision. Like, like, the, like again, like the Charlie one, I thought he could have just taken half a second and then gone where he sort of got it and went straight away. And I was like, you're probably slightly off. Same with Motlop and, and so-and-so. But um, yeah, look, I, I think I definitely was a lot more happier with that second half, particularly that second quarter. I thought we were incredibly on top and it was just frustrating yep. that, that the last couple of minutes, we obviously give away those two easier goals that we shouldn't have, didn't put mm-hmm. it on the scoreboard. They do. They go in front. And I don't know. I'll agree with you. I was definitely happier with the ball movement. I thought that's the best we've moved the ball all year. Like we, yep. to be positive before we obviously get to the negative. I know people are probably listening to this being like, just get to the negative. But I think you have to give credit where credit's due that we looked, I've never seen us this season look more often to 
play the quick hands, to play yep. on and actually utilize the stand rule man on the mark. Agree. And go wide and get that extra 10, 15. It was probably the, I would yep. love to watch it back every season, every game this season and count how many times we use a guy running on for the handball because I reckon yep. this was the most I've ever seen that. And while they're still, I think, ahead of the ball structurally, we were let down at times. I thought throughout the midfield and trying to move it quick and at least looking to take it on, whether it was always the right option, whether we executed it or not, I was so much more happy with the fact that it looked like we were trying to play quick at every single time with hands rather than Absolutely. this slow kicking style. And even when we weren't great at certain stages in the second half, it still felt like we were trying it. There was obviously a lot of other issues that were going wrong throughout those periods, but I thought it was mm. still there to a degree. Um, yeah. It was just what was yeah. heading, going ahead of the ball. I don't think we then had the options to really apply it on the scoreboard. I think you did miss some easy options in that second quarter. It doesn't help, but yeah, it was interesting. Half time. I just remember thinking, okay, not where we want to be on the scoreboard, but, if we just keep playing like that, this game's ours. Like we convert, we win this. There was just that one part of the back of my mind that negatively thought, oh, if they get the first one, do we crumble? Hmm. Unfortunately, I hate that I was kind of proven proven right in that. Did you have much to kind of talk about the ball movement and the, and that that first half in particular? Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement about the handballs, the stand, the stand rule, hundred percent. I love when we look to switch particularly not like a uh like d50 switch like when we're more yes. up on the wing area it's like we got it to acres a few times and there was just mm. as many times where he is just standing there waving his arms and we didn't go to him um i love that we're doing that more like particularly like oh man like you know how much i love the uh the broad listening to the broadcast commentary they kept they kept saying risk they're taking risk 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 Things like a, a switch on the wing in those circumstances are not yeah. are not risky to me. Like mm. that, like the, the fifty meter long know. kick to a guy by yes. himself is not the that risky. Is just so low. Take it, and and when we do it, it like I can't think of a time where we do that and it doesn't at least shift everybody. And the worst mm. case scenario is we're in just the same position we were before. Fine, but more mm. often than not, it leads to what you were talking about that we weren't getting in that first quarter, which was actually hitting up guys inside 50 mm. or drawing freeze. Um, and yeah, plenty of those ones that we missed should just be going through. We Harry kicked one, which was a high percentage look. And then he missed one, which was an even higher percentage. And we just would, mm. the normal Harry would snap those every time. Martin got his goal mm. square goal, that left foot snap that he missed. Like, that's why you're in the team, brother. Yeah. You, you got to kick 95% he brought a of lot those ones. In that, in that first half, I was, I was, I was, he, he looked like something we didn't have and haven't had this yeah. season. Jack Martin. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But, uh, but finish your work each time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with yeah. you. Like I was feeling pretty positive. Hmm. So unfortunately, we'll get to the tough bit. We'll, we have to talk about it. It's the third quarter. Essen kicked seven goals for that quarter to our two with six of those seven coming in the first 15 minutes. So I guess what for you, mm -hmm. Lockie, kind of went wrong and why do you believe that the, it's a hard question, very hard question, but why does this group just seem to, I guess, kind of fall away so easily when that heat comes, when that pressure starts to build 
why do we fall away? And yeah, what went wrong in that in that third quarter for you? Well, I think I touched on it uh, near the start. I think there was always they were always going to have a run Essendon, and I don't want anyone to think there's a cop out things because I'll get to the the brutal stuff later. Like they're always going to have a run. We wasted so many opportunities that I think that that builds the pressure even more than just the scoreboard yeah. pressure that they're applying. It's like, it's not just the fact that they're kicking away. It's the fact that they're kicking away and we haven't put any pressure on them. And I also think the defense, uh, I'll be interested to hear your take on this, particularly individuals. I thought the defense was pretty damn resilient in that first half. Um, and it's really hard to have that kind of resilience for the whole game. And so I think mm. that we did not defend well in that third quarter. Um, like, that's that's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. It was kind of inevitable, I felt. Yeah, it was... It just looked I'm like we mentally... Col- it looked like we mentally just collapsed, which was the most frustrating thing. And you could feel it. Obviously, the momentum shifts... Essendon fans are getting very up and about every goal. The sound almost doubles, which mm-hmm. tends to happen with it, with a big crowd. And I don't know. It just felt like, I don't know. As soon as, as soon as Merrick kicked that goal in the first couple of seconds, I just had this awful gut feeling that like, Oh, they're going to kick a few in a row here and we're going to be done. Like we yep. need to win like the next clearance. And then when we don't win that clearance and we don't win the next clearance, it just, it compounds in, I don't know, particularly for me with the defense. I, I don't know because the first quarter they they missed some easy. Obviously, we missed some op- easy opportunities, but Essendon missed yep. some easy ones. They did, and I don't know. I, I don't know if we defended that well. And maybe this is just my pressure and feelings on everything right now. But I, it, mm-hmm. if, if the ball comes in quick into our D fifty, if we don't take that intercept mark, I just get this feeling that like we struggle with that pressure. It feels like we're about to make an error. We're about to fumble it. We're we're going to turn it over and there's going to be a goal. I I don't know if that's just me as a fan because the ball's in a dangerous area, but no one really instills me with that much confidence when they are around that ball in D50, when there's pressure Mm -hmm. on, that they're going to be that calm head that gets the ball out and we get it into safe hands to somewhere else. There's, there's, Obviously, the dump kicks out and it doesn't feel like we're in position. It's another rebound yep. inside 50 for Essendon. It's a it's a fumble. It's a fumble. Turnover, another stoppage. I don't know how if that's how you see it, but I feel like when the ball hits the ground in our D50, it feels very panicky. Uh, I think I've always felt like that. And I thought Essendon were also panicky. I think that's kind of the way that it is. Like you go inside 50 and the ball hits the ground. Like uh, particularly in the first half, I didn't I didn't feel that. There was a couple you can I don't want Lewis Young kicking the ball ever. Like I don't want him just, in the team ever. I'll be honest. There should be I thought oh, well, I you'll, I disagree. I thought, there, I, I thought he did plenty of good things in that first half and I mm-hmm. saw people tweeting saying that he shouldn't be on our list and he is a full back. He's not supposed to be taking those kicks. Don't let him do the kicks. Um I know he let right like all the things that these defenders do is just always just blown so much bigger than they are. It's like, oh, how did Young let him get free there? It's like, well, that was yeah. one opportunity, and he actually did a lot of good things right. Um, I, I totally understand what you're saying, and don't get me wrong, I feel anxiety every time we don't even have the ball. Sometimes I'm just anxious the entire game. I, I feel like something's going to go wrong. I couldn't need my game. two. I couldn't get the two dollar piles that anxious yeah, before the that. game started. 
<laughs> I, I, I understand that feeling that you have, but I, I have more faith in in these guys, honestly. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's just probably somewhere where we differ. Where I, I just, I until I see us calmly move the ball out of D fifty consistently, and almost get rid of that pressure, I'm just going to keep feeling like this, and, and it's a worry. And then. I think the bigger issue in that third quarter in particular, that was just an area I wanted to bring up. Um, but it, the midfield got smashed in that third third yes. quarter. And that was incredibly... Like I feel like I thought frustrating is the word I use, but there needs to be a word that's bigger than that. I was just so enraged with that midfield because they have no parish, no shield, no set of field, if you want to say that. Their midfield's depleted. Yep. We throw in Ed Kerno, who I hate to single out every single time. I feel like I keep doing it. But we bring him in as a tagger, and it's not his fault, but Vossi Britton and the, the selection mm. panel bring him in as a tagger on merit. He attends 13 center bounces, no clearances, mm-hmm. no tackles, goes in a tagging role for merit. I don't understand how it's no tackles. Yep. It's. I don't know how you can do a tagging roll and not lay a tackle. I don't know how you can have 13 center bounces and not even look like you're going to get close to getting a clearance. And I just thought that this game was such a perfect opportunity for our midfield to show that we're better and dominate, knowing they had so many outs. And then we go with that negating role. And that kind of just takes away from that because now you're saying, okay, one person in this center bounce is not there necessarily to win the ball first. And mm-hmm. I think that's where you start to lose the game. And then ultimately, Essendon's more dynamic midfield just walked it out of there and they constantly overloaded us. They outworked us. They seemed to outnumber us often in midfield. And that third quarter, just as soon as they get those clearances, it was like the defense is now under way more pressure. Midfields are not strong enough to do anything about it. And the whole team just, it's like we feel this pressure and. We just crumble. We we are unable to deal with the pressure and hold on and create better scoring opportunities. And, and yeah, when it comes in that much, obviously so hard for the defense to do too much. But I don't know, until this team can turn that around when the pressure and the game is there to be won, when your back's against the wall, I just don't know how I can be that positive about what I'm hmm. seeing. Like, I'm hopeful that it can turn. I'm hopeful that... We can start to do things because I saw some glimpses in this game, but it's just such a glaring issue with this group right now as a as a collective club. And I don't know, I'm just not seeing any signs of that aspect turning, and that's that's what kind of hurts the most right now. I'm I'm mostly in agreement, and I'm not saying this to say that I want Ed Kerno in this team because I don't. Yeah, but but Merritt was not impactful in the first half, and that ha- that is to do with Ed Kerno. I'd say to a degree. Um, when, why would you then? And this is obviously just a, a pivoting kind of question. It just it seems baffling mm-hmm. that if he's meant to be the negating role, why then he doesn't follow Merritt into the forward line? Because sure. Merritt then goes there, breaks the game open a little bit in doing I, so. But then why is Ed even in there when Merritt's not as well? Yeah, that seems the, the like an interesting that- dilemma. The reason I bring it up, and, and it's just semantics, but I'm just saying, I don't think, I don't want to blame Kerno for what that was. That's a he's not, no, he's not, he's thing. not, he's not a scape. I'm not trying to scapegoating him and say it's all his fault. I hope yeah, that yeah. is 
coming across. No, no, no. I, I know. I'm not saying you're saying that either. I'm just, I'm just kind of pointing out that, mm. like, cause, well, he is a general scapegoat right now, as yes. as teams always have. And we spoke about it in the preview. We were like, well, we hope that we aren't going to go the tagging route mm. because we, you and I, just generally don't love that as a thing. But it happened, and I thought it worked. I thought it worked well for the first half, and I agree that mm. we didn't pivot, uh, put us in a bad situation when he did, then went forward. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a, that's, no, a, I, that's I, more I, of a coaching L to me than an Ed Kerno mm. L. Yes, and that's what I agree with, and that's why I'm, I'm trying not to make it just sound like oh Ed Kerno shit or anything because it's like I disagree with the coaching decision. Really, is the issue Ed? Ed did the best he can, but he probably just should not be out there. And while he he may have negated him a little bit in that midfield, which I'm happy to say, yeah, he did okay. I just think that we could have got more if we actually went on the yeah. positive side of things and went, well, who needs, who cares about merit? He's the only midfielder there. We've let's use the three of us to dominate that area and not worry about merit yeah. because we've got us there. And I just wonder if that would have changed anything clearance wise and stoppage workers stoppages yeah. as such. So clearly an issue with it. Um, yeah. Well, so to your point about the the, yeah. the midfielders, um, like I want to say, I know I've been really hard on him, and I'm going to continue to be. I thought Walsh was reasonably ineffective in this game. I yeah, wasn't I a big fan of it. I thought there's no denying that Cripps was, and Vossi said it himself, just ineffective. Kennedy as well. I'm putting it in there. Chera, you get my tick. You continue yes. to deliver week in and week out. So if three of your four are doing that, then yeah, that's that's what happens. That's how you get dominated for a quarter. Mm, it, it hurts, and everyone's clearly down. And I don't know how you turn that around with those guys. And it just the, the worst sensation is that when this is happening, when they start, to, when they kick the second one within a couple of minutes, you just sense it. You feel you just go. You know that we're going to concede the next ten, and it looks like that body language for players and. I, I don't know how you turn that around. I don't know how you fix that and how players on ground can stand up and say, you know, don't worry. Like, take, like, go be a goldfish, the old Ted Lasso. Like, don't worry about what just happened. Go the next contest, go the next one. And it's obviously such a, a hard mental thing to do. And it's clearly just that deficiency that we lack within this squad, within this team, having players that you can turn to that stand up in those moments. We just don't have those experienced leaders that I agree. deal with the pressure. And they, and that's I kind agree. of why we are here. And that's, I think, why I'm kind of down being like, well, that seems like such a hard thing to fix. Like, where do you find these leaders from? Because they don't grow on trees. There's not that many of them around the AFL. Teams don't just get rid of them. And then how do you cultivate that from guys that ha- don't have it now? Like, how do you go from struggling in pressure to becoming a champion under it. And that's, I think, why I'm just so like negative on things, knowing that that's kind of how we are right now. Um, but I guess yeah. moving on slightly, um, just a couple of random comments I had about things that were bad while we're there is like, how many weeks in a row can we struggle to defend kick-ins and kick-ins just be a problem? and not seemingly do anything to address it. And then also, how many weeks in a row can our offensive transition from kick-ins be such a problem before we do anything to deal with it? 
Very open any question there, Lockie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to address those ones. I think the the former uh, no, yeah, no. They're they're both they're both not working well. I agree. Mm. I can't say I have I can't say yeah. I have too many thoughts on them though. Because yeah, it's another frustrating part, and and this is what I'll put some down to. The more system on this is when we defend kick-ins, it's teams just slowly chip through us, and they always seem to within about two kicks they're on the wing, and it's like heck, we're not applying any pressure here. And then you think because teams are able to do that to us that we'd be so good at being able to move the ball out. We've got McGovern, Boyd, Doherty. We've got players, Saad. We've got players that yep. have some pace, guys that can seemingly kick the, the football quite well, get the things moving. But then it's like the same two plays out of defense every single time. It's either a short kick to the pocket to which we then kick at 60, 70 meters, goes out of play, or it's we play on, run 10 meters, kick it 60 meters and then goes out of bounds. It's like the same thing every single time. And it's only those rare opportunities that for whatever reason we change that up that we ever get out of there when it's a, it's a sad breaking kick through the middle. It's a different short option. It's a running handball off the guy who's just marked the ball that we seem to move the ball out. But for whatever reason, we just don't seem to be able to do it often enough. And until we're able to defend and keep the ball in, move the ball out so much easier, it's going to be such an issue. And it's, it's so frustrating, I guess, from a watching of the coaches that it doesn't seem to be being addressed. Such an Mm. obvious issue. I think, I I think a lot of it's work, right? Mm. When the options aren't there. Is it, is it fitness? Is it mentality again? Like, do you have anything to say on it? Yeah. (laughs) It is tough. I think I, I'm I'm trying not to let, and I know you're not going to like this sentence, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm trying not to let the second half cloud the entire game because I think in that first half there were times where we were doing this, and I and I know your point is not that we're never doing it; it's that we're not doing it enough. But I really didn't feel like we were doing that long down the line nonsense. We were trying to get the ball into, like we can hate on him, hate on him as much as the fans want to. Mitch McGovern has never gotten a ball, uh, took a mark in his life where he hasn't thought, yeah, what's the most aggressive attacking option here? And so I think, yeah, it's about us getting those circumstances more and more and mm. more, which is really fucking hard. And I don't know the answer yeah. to actually how we unlock that. Mm. And then it's it's when that pressure comes is when we seemingly go back into our shells and don't look to do these things, which is, I guess, I think- that that other issue. I think there could be, and I'm not smart enough to be able to go into this in in depth, but I I don't know what our fitness is like. It doesn't. And I don't know, and I don't know if that is an underlying thing playing a role in 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 a lot of what we're seeing here. It just makes me mm. wonder. It seems like we run uh, less than any team. Yeah, and and obviously when you got some slower midfielders around there it doesn't help it always looks worse when the ball gets out there but yeah Mm -hmm. does that does that get addressed in the offseason with an Andrew Russell I believe he was potentially out of contract at the end of this year they keep him on if they don't like I know again it's again we always say this like it's hard to know exactly what they do whether it's good whether it's bad but it when fitness we've never seemingly been the biggest strongest side we've never been the fastest side the most endurance side 
fitness doesn't seem to improve regardless of the injuries. We don't seem to be that team that runs on top of others. When this just doesn't seem to be improving, do you go, well, the people in charge of this, do you move on? Do you just try something different for the sake of it? It feels like that's the way. Um, Was there any moment that summed the game up for you? Because I definitely have one that I can think of. There's There's almost two that I can think of. One where it was like, yeah, these boys are definitely done. And then there was another where it was like, yep, that just sums up what this game is. Go on. Give me, give me yours. I don't have one off the top. So of the definite game done was Essendon. I believe it was like oh, a real quick transition sorry. through. I do have one. I know it will be. Yep. Yeah? Go for um, it. It was Go like, a, yeah, it was a quick transition. And all of a sudden, it's like a kick over. Jack just goes over him. And then old mate two meter Peter slides on his knees and takes a mark. I was like, yeah, that that's done. Um, do you have your yeah. game defining moment? Because I think you might have just thought of it, and it might yeah. be. Yeah, I, I hope I don't butcher who it was, but was it Kerno and Owies? Sure, sure was, sure was. Yeah, yeah those two. Ball goes inside fifty. Owies is in the spot. Kerno joins him, and then they both don't go for who it. Wants it. Looks horrific. No one wants it. Ball goes over. They go down. Who knows if they kicked a goal off the back of it, but. It was a chance for us to kick one back and we just, we didn't. And I think for me, if I'm putting any blame on anyone, it's more Kerno in that situation because I think he mm-hmm. either needs to go, that's my ball, get the fuck out the way. <laughs> like I'm, I'll clean you up. I'm the big key forward. Get out of there always or say, mm-hmm. that's all, you're all yours always like, take it, take it. I'll, I'll drop off. Um, I don't really blame always for being in that spot because no one was in that spot all game. Yeah. So I don't blame him for being there. But yeah, just a frustrating moment on top of everything of just, Jesus, can these boys do it? And I thought it summed us up and maybe this is really harsh, but I think it's just where we are, where it just looked like if I'm overanalyzing that moment, it just surmised the lack of confidence, lack of awareness, lack of understanding that seemed to kind of just be underpinning a lot of the, the issues that are glaring in front of us. Was there any other key issues for you in this game that led to us losing or just things that you didn't like from this game as we continue down the negative spiral that seemingly is the mm. Dark Football Club this year? Um, yeah, wow. Another another nice softball. That'll lift you up, I'm sure. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't really have anything else to touch on, on it. Um, so you go. Oh, I think tackles was probably the big thing out of that game. It's an interesting um, I didn't notice it as much during. Like, obviously, there's Neither still that I. being able to stick the tackles. But when it came up and said that was our worst tackle count at 33 in eight years, and then you look at the names, like, I listened to David King a bit talking today, saying that maybe potentially more of the game style, the short kicking that Essendon yeah, were kind of playing that. to it, the more uncontested. It's a lot harder to tackle. In those circumstances, maybe you could say that that's a lack of pressure and therefore you're not putting yourself in the opportunity to tackle. But I think overall, when you go from that game and Young, Kemp, Ed, Motlop, Martin, Chincotta, Charlie and Walsh have zero tackles, that's pretty bad, particularly a few of those players, front half players, midfielders not laying a tackle. It's frustrating. You got Deconing, Harry, Gov, Weedering, Saad, Doherty with one, Cripps and Cherry with two. And you've got a guy like Dow, who, to his credit, comes on, plays a quarter, lays three. 
And only one player had more than three, which is Matty Kennedy with five. And that just, it reads poorly. And when Essendon are able mm-hmm. to, I don't know what, I don't have the stat in front of me how much they ended up with, but at one stage tackles were like 25 to 50. And it, and it was like, I'm pretty sure it was like in the third quarter when they were like dominating. And I'm like, we're getting smashed and they're doubling us in tackles. Like what is actually happening here? Mm. And it just goes again to all our issues of work rate mentality wanting to play tough tackling football that we seemingly aren't able to do. It's funny because I'm with you. I didn't notice it uh, particularly particularly in the first half. I thought the pressure was pretty good. And I was like, I was was surprised to see that stat. I'm not saying that our pressure for the whole game was good enough, but there, that, that blew me away. And there was one one comment I wrote down. I, I watched that David King thing as well, and I thought he made some really good points. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this sentence. Small, small problems with large ramifications is how he sees us at the moment. Mm, that's interesting. I guess, can you give me what you think are the small problems with big ramifications? Or at least what you're kind of perceiving from that. I guess that's what it, what that triggers in my mind is a lot of people thinking that there's like one thing going wrong, whether it's yeah the list isn't good enough and everything else is fine or Vossi can't coach and everything else is good. And if we just did this thing or if we just did this thing, mm. where I guess I'm feeling like, and this is something that when we've tried to be optimistic throughout this season, I've been feeling like it's a lot of these smaller things mm. like, I don't know, using the stand rule to our advantage, mm. where if we can turn enough of those smaller things that have large impacts, something like being able to hit more than 50% of our set shots rather than seemingly 20% now, Mm. That that's the kind of thing that is going to allow us to start getting some wins. And I guess that's why I feel positive of this game is that I saw, I saw some things change. And now if we can do those things again next week and not have that third quarter effort, well, then we're going to beat Gold Coast. And that's how we mm. start changing this. God, I wish I had your optimism right now. Um, I just like, and you raise like some really good points in that because it probably was the first time I've seen that ball movement, which we keep going back to, but yeah, I think my worry is that I feel like these players are mentally done. And I agree with you that there's more There's more than just like one issue. There's so many little things, but like there, there is something yep. in this, there is, uh, to, be, to be optimistic, it's like there is something in this group because we've seen it. We've seen good games last year where, yes. and patches yes. of it. And I just don't know how we've declined so much on that and Agree. you try to you try to put people at fault you try to pot bossy the assistants it's the players it's this and obviously the list isn't there 100 but we should be playing better than this and now we're at predicament where we're what like 15th on the ladder yep like that's not that's not it whatever we've tried to do this year whatever we've gone away and done as a collective this isn't again a coaching thing this isn't a play is everyone what we as a club have gone to do over the off season yep. It's not been working. And yes, it's now put us in this moment where while it could be very easy to say, okay, well, there's these a few things that are going improving. And if we can just keep getting them all, 
perfect. Again, my issue is, because I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that. I think my worry then comes down to the pressure is just going to keep getting worse. And whenever mm-hmm. there's pressure on this group, they crumble, they melt away. And I just don't know if they can persevere through that as a collective, whether Voss can get the most out of them mentally, can drag them across the line, can tinker the game plan to get them more confident, to get them playing more freely, to build this back up, whether the players can get that out of their heads and look to take the game on consistently and not have these brain fades and not have these quarters where they just go into their shell, disappear, team kicks, six goals in bloody 15 minutes. I don't know if they can do that when the pressure is going to keep mounting. If they don't get the result against Gold Coast, and they go into the bye and they have Hawthorne the week after. If they lose to Hawthorne, mm-hmm. what do you do? Yep. Then you got Frio away. Then you got Port at home. Then you got West Coast. You lose all those games. Mm-hmm. Even if like, how much can you keep trying to get that incremental performance and improvement when that that just yeah. keeps weighing heavier and heavier. And that's, I love the old perspective of trying to look in isolation and try to find things to keep going. Cause that's like, it's what you do as mm-hmm. a fan. It's the only way you keep going. You keep trying to get better, but I'm just so worried about the compounding pressure that's going to be on this group because they have not proven to anyone that yeah, they yeah. can turn it around. Sure. Under that. But I feel like, again, we're just, I feel like I'm just repeating myself on that way too much. No, no, no. And, and I'm obviously worried too. I'm not I'm yes. optimistic, which doesn't mean that I'm, like confident about this stuff it's just interesting like i'm trying like as we've said a bit i'm trying not to i'm trying to go week by week here and not think about the long term i find it interesting i've li- i listen to more of the kind of talk back oh not talk back but the more like mainstream media stuff about this game than i normally do mm. and and it was frustrating me footy classifier they kept they kept saying like oh you know carlton like they're gonna have some decisions to make at the end of the season that like none of them wanted to say whether they should sack Voss or not. It's just like, oh, they'll have some decisions to make, decisions to make. But if everything that you're saying comes true and we get to the end of this season and like nothing has changed, mm. I, I don't that there, there isn't a whole lot of options. No. It's and I one thing I want to call out, I would love us to top stop singling out Vossi. I, I would really like us to talk about this coaching group because it's he's one man with a lot in a team of a lot of people. Mm. And I think the rhetoric should be more about the entire coaching package. So are we changing the coaching package at the end of the season or are we tearing mm. the list? And I'm not saying that I both. am counting out. I'm yeah, and I'm not saying that I'm counting out either. Um like what my favorite team in the world, Collingwood, did a few years ago where they just did a bunch of changes of players where seemingly it looked nonsensical. It was like, yeah. how are they letting these guys go like this? Maybe that's maybe that's where we get to. Hmm. But all of all of that to say that I'm I'm just gonna remain optimistic generally because you stop the going coaching... to football. You can't like you can't stop supporting, and we're stuck with them. We're born into it. Sure. We're here. We're not going to change well, teams. So too, I think. But, yeah. Oh well, we'll, we'll yeah. definitely get to, we'll that. Get to that. Um. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, no, it's it's an interesting point, and like it's it's a tough thing of, you know, because I think we're we're definitely in the same camp of not having a camp. 
We're not in the sack boss. We're not yes. in the keep boss. We, we have no fucking idea because I don't know what the issue is. The issue seems so much deeper, but it's not Thank just you. the board. It's not just the power brokers. It's not just whatever. It's not just the players. It's not just Brad Lloyd. Right. It's, it's everything. It is everything that is wrong. And you can't just blow it all up, get rid of everything because no one will come in. Yes. You can't like, so what do you do? And, th and this is the hard thing of like, and I'm hoping and praying that those in charge, those in certain positions have some knowledge on how to sort things out and believe and back in their decision-making. I, I spoke about it weeks ago of like, create the plan, stick to the plan. Every move is towards the end goal, sticking to the process. And, you know, if they think that, and, and the big thing, re reason why everyone obviously goes to Vossi is because he clearly, the deficiency is the tactical side. So when it looks like systematically we're struggling, yeah. people go, well, why'd you hire the guy that we know that that's not what he can do? And obviously there's a bigger component of that. And it looks like at the end of the season, there'll be more likely a change of assistance than Vossi. But yeah. it has to come down to those being in the club being like, well, what what is better? What is the better option? Is Voss actually the guy? Are we seeing enough behind the scenes that things are working in certain aspects and certain things that Voss brings is like, it's perfect, but maybe we've made a wrong choice in hiring this guy around him. Maybe there's this uh -huh. element that we're definitely missing and there's no one else that we can bring in that has everything we need right now. And that extra help for Voss is the perfect fix. And I don't know, who knows what it is. And I think that, Obviously, the, the more we lose games, the more heat's going to come on him and everything mm -hmm. and everyone. But there's obviously, there needs to be moves made with the playing list. And I'm excited for the mid, I hate it. I'm excited for the buy because we get to talk about the list and we get to focus more on these things than just chatting about the losses. Just so that's where I like, I'm more focused because I love the list side of things. We can see what we can adjust and, and what plays you actually make. So I think that's the way forward through this is, again, I don't want stability for the sake of it, but figure out what works at this club, what we need, what we can build from. And it, it's shit because we're at the point where we're 15th on the ladder. It looks like everything's completely cooked. So you're almost granted this opportunity of, well, okay, we reset. Whatever resetting means, it's not rebuild. It's not, it's, you know, whether that's, okay, we've overrated these three players on the list make moves, bring in this. We've realized we don't have sure. certain type of player on the list. We don't have this. We need these little coaches. Yep. Understand that, okay, things aren't good. It's clear we can make the moves now because you can see it's not working and go towards it. Yeah. It's harder said than done because the worse we play, will players want to come to us? Will coaches want to come to us? We don't have the money to throw necessarily with the list. You have to get creative. But again, I think you just have to be stern in trusting what you're doing, what your decision-making is behind closed doors and whatever that is, you have to back that in and fuck, I hope they get it right. I hope they get it right. I still believe. Let's hope. But let's get, we've gone ages in this. I didn't think we'd get this far, but let's get into some listener <laughs> questions. Haven't done any plugs this week. So apologies, Lockie. Feel free to oh, drive over plugs. here and let me know. But at Navy Blue Corner <laughs> is where we are on socials. Head over to Twitter. It's where I ask for these questions. For you guys listening to come across, and if you're on YouTube, drop your feedback, any thoughts you've had throughout this episode in the comments below. Subscribe, like. We're about to hit, I think,
think it might be 600 subscribers, which is a massive, massive milestone. Let's make sure we get to that. If you're listening on any streaming platform and you you have a YouTube account, bloody head over, subscribe. Let's try and get us to 1,000. If we can get close to that by the end of the year, that would be incredible. I would love to try and hit that milestone, get as close as we possibly can. So if you're enjoying it, just shows to us, I guess, that you do like what you what you're hearing, um, and it's always good to get that kind of feedback again in the comments at socials at Navy Blue Corner, all over the place. Um, but yes, listener questions, Lockie. Mm, absolutely, let's dive right in. Timmy Dub, the man of this podcast, mm. a great question as always. I liked how we were moving the ball in the first half. Yes. Problem was we didn't have one of the twin towers staying at home, which you can't mm. touch on earlier. So is this just a minor tweak to get deeper 50 entries or are Charlie and Harry compensating for, say, JSOS, who should be playing more of a linking role? I think that's a really, really poignant yeah, question. It's a, good, it's a good question. And it felt like we were pushing higher up. And did that help us move the ball because we had more numbers? But then yep. conversely, we then didn't have anything forward. And, and I wonder if that's kind of it. It almost feels at times that when we look to correct something, it's like a seesaw in a way where it's like to correct it, something else has to drop off. Or yeah. if we, if we fix the defense, the scoring disappears, we fix the <laughs> offense, the, the defense disappears. It, it feels like we just can't get everything working and gelling at once. We lose something when we add. And I, that's the frustrating part. And hmm. the ball movement was better. We didn't have those players. I think the forward structure was abysmal and, and maybe it is as easy as trying to clear out and leave one of them deeper. But I don't know. Is mm. there part of that that's the reason we were able to move the ball because we had more numbers around it? It's it's definitely tweaks, and I'm hoping, I'm f- fingers crossed, all of a sudden you make a few tweaks and things mm. turn around. But I don't know, it just feels like there's more layers than just a slight structural tweak. But maybe I'm wrong. There was quite a few, particularly in the first half, where – like Harry and TDK were oh, jumping together at a contest. Spot. TDK did that like so it... many times to isolate him. <sighs> do you think that's a, do you think that's a structural thing or is that just IQ, is that just TDK not being where he should be? I, I, I struggle to think that it is I structural. I think it's you'd hope not. You'd hope not. I think, it's but it seems to happen so many times. A, yeah, yeah. I know. It's not good. I know. Yeah. No, it's a very good question, Timmy Dub. <laughs> great question and this is a good question too i feel like i feel like some of these are like hitting right at what we've been alluding to throughout Mm. this chat so from at candor 100 what would winning quite a few games from here on suggest Mm. would it be a case of it all finally coming together or the pressure coming right off i mean it's a big hypothetical Mm. but i mean i feel like you've kind of are you feeling like there'll be less pressure if finals Uh, is off the mm. table. I think that's an interesting kind of angle maybe. I've seen people say this and I think I've got maybe a more stern opinion on this. Not to say that I'm right or or wrong or anything like that, but people saying once finals goes off, there's less pressure. But it's like if you keep losing, the pressure's worse because there's a pressure to to make finals and there's a pressure to like – everyone's losing their job at the end of the season unless you turn this around. And the more you lose, the more media talk there is, the worse it gets, the worse you feel, you lose your confidence. So I wouldn't say that there's a pressure off. But if you start winning games, like how I'm looking at the rest of the season now, finals I'm not even worrying about. Get that out. It's like Mm -hmm. 
I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, even last week, it's, well, I want to win a premiership. How are we getting towards that next year, yeah, year like after, it. whenever it is? So it's, I need to see signs like that. that we're building towards something. So for the rest of the season, and, and maybe this goes against what I'm saying, but I think the pressure obviously makes that difficult. But it's like, it's not just wins. Obviously, that is such a big, important part of this. But like, if I'm seeing enough turnaround game plan structurally, mentally in situations, mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, we're building towards something. And Melbourne turned it around in the back half of, the year before they won the flag. Not saying we're going to do that. Brought this up last week. But like you can make tweaks to start to move towards something. So I don't think it's just a, you know, off finals are off, the shackles are off, we win games all of a sudden. Here you go, how easy is this? I think there's going to be pressure. But if we turn it around, it builds you for next year. So make the change now that you need, Mm -hmm. that you can make, that gets us in a better position round one next year, round 23 next year potentially the finals next year. I think everything needs to be, can we just keep improving and make the most out of the situations we have going forward? Easy said than done, obviously. To build, to build on that, and maybe to give a little bit of a plug to the selection table here, Superbad asks, play the kids? Mm. Not 100%, but I would be more inclined with, I think is the sentiment at the moment of playing upside is what we spoke about. At time recording, it was about an hour ago um, on the selection table. Head over to Pommy in Oz on YouTube to watch that. It yes, is Pommy, myself, Lek Dog, Paolo, and we sometimes are humbled to get the great Terry Dagani from Blue Abroad. Just hit 10K subscribers on YouTube. Unbelievable in the community. Dominator, just absolutely killing it. Um, where we go through our changes, debate them, and, and make a team in the end. And I don't think I'm 100% play the kids, but like I want to see Bins in. We'll go early mm-hmm. selection. Um, I want to see bins. Um, yep. I want to see, again, a more high upside of Cunningham get thrown into it. Um, yep. I'm just going to try and get my team changes up right at the moment. Yeah, it's like Dow. Ed Kernow is not the high upside, so play Paddy Dow if you're going to play someone in the midfield. He has potential more to do something and change things up. Obviously, Pitt comes in. I think Sauce comes out because I want to play Taconi. Again, Agreed. more higher upside, more potential. We haven't seen him as much together. Agreed. The two rucks don't want Silvani in there. I'm getting rid of Young. Maybe this is that controversial. Thought he was horrific on the night. My issues with Lewis Young, to single him out, is I think mm-hmm. he's incredibly slow. On-field decision-making is very, very poor. And I think that catches him out quite a lot and I thought that that was a real struggling point he's not kicking well and he's shown signs of good Lewis Young like last year we saw it I think at the moment he's out of form things aren't working well for him so I would take him out of the firing line right now um I'd bring I think we've got enough tools in there with McGovern to play a lockdown with Kemp to be the interceptor I would throw Lockie Cowan in there again, high upside performing in the twos, get more leg speed around to potentially help the transition play a little bit more and get more runners and guys that want to take this game on knowing transition, such an issue, moving the ball from D 50. The more guys we can get in to do that is good. Plus if you need to throw Docket in the midfield, you've got another runner. You can play Boydy more a bit high half forward or on the wing. If you need, he's played those positions for Footscray in the VFL played a little bit half forward, on the on the Sunday against Essendon. So I think they're listening to me a little bit. More versatility. Cunningham in for Motlop. I think that he at the moment is just really down on form, struggling, looks Agreed. a little bit lost. No issue with him going to the twos. 
It's not a bad thing. Get your confidence up. Play deep. Don't push up the ground. Players are coming forward. Get the confidence. Then you can come back in. But Connor's in to add that high half forward, add to the midfield silkiness. And then I would be bringing bins in and I'll be dropping acres, to be honest, because it's a big haul. But I'm just, his disposal is killing us at times. Yeah. Maybe he's not the one to bring out. Maybe there's someone else. Happy to have that debate. But I'd be going a bit more high upside. Slight potential in this. It's not throw everything out and just play the kids. That's not my mentality. But it's get the most out of this season that you can. I think that team can still win games of football rather than it be a throw Harry Lemmy in there, throw Big Dom in there or whatever. I think that a lot of those changes help us rather than hinder us. Um, Yeah. So I'm a little bit play the kids, but it's more just, yeah, high upside play guys that you think are going to be there for the future find out a bit about them and maybe just changing it up slightly can help you win games of football. More pace. Hmm. Better use. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with you. Yeah. I I wouldn't be dropping acres myself, but it was one of the key notes that I had from this one was um it was was seventh game in a row of bad kicks. It was bad kicks, but it was also it was bad decisions as well. Mm. Like like where he executed what he wanted to do, which was not the right option at the mm. time. So I think I'm just, yeah, I want to be harsh and make a slight yeah. example of acres after it. a fair few weeks. Same for young. It's like, you've had a fair few bad weeks. Get out of the team. There's a bit of a, here's some standards. Get your confidence back yeah. in the twos. We still think both of you are probably close to best 22. So you'll be back in soon, but get some confidence. Let's wrap up the listener section with... A nice, simple one for you, as we always like to do. Put yourself in the four walls here, Brownie. Oh, God. From at Very Hoodish, a friend of ours, has Voss lost the players? I don't think so. Neither do I. I don't think so. It's easy to say that. I will throw my hand out. It's easy to say out, either way. Wherever you, want to, wherever you want to do. I think I'm dumb because... Is this a phrase that gets thrown out a lot? I don't truly understand it. Like, what what does it really mean by losing the players? Love it. Because everyone, as soon as you start to lose, everyone goes, oh, he's lost the players. I'm like, has he? I appreciate these semantics. So please continue. Because I'm not sure many coaches truly, I don't know, lose them to an extent. Like, Obviously, there's the element of like when your message isn't getting across, they're not able to execute what you want or they're not believing in you anymore. There is that mm-hmm. percentage element of like, well, you've lost them because they're no longer able to buy in. I don't know if that is the case, whether it's just sometimes poor coaching, whether that guy's not right, whether sometimes the players aren't right, whether there's other issues. And right now, there is so much going wrong that I don't think it's just down to a player coach connection issue there's clearly some issue but i wouldn't say he's completely lost them and and the way i know it's only media speak who knows but it feels like the players are wanting every single time to completely take ownership of the issues back in the coaches and again who knows if it's just pr spin Hmm. you you have sayers and all and cook people that some of their job relies on keeping voss um, continually come out and say, no, we're seeing some amazing things behind doors. It's just not clicking, blah, blah, blah. We're in a tough spot, so the questions obviously get answered. It's not good enough at the moment. 
I'm just not 100% there that he's lost them. Yeah, I'm in full agreement with you. I need to see some evidence to... Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna give it the benefit mm. of the doubt unless I see some evidence of the contrary. Yeah. So. But, but clearly, he hasn't got the best out of this group in a long time. We're playing a lot worse footy now than we were earlier yes. on. So I think that's obviously a big argument in it. Yeah, I, I think of like losing the, I think of losing the players as like rebelling against game him. plan. Yeah. Like they said to do this, we're we're gonna defy that. Or, you know, if we mm. start seeing blokes like I don't know, like snubbing mm. him on the bench or whatever, like not wanting mm. to chat to him and those kind of things. They're like the things mm. that tell me that there's actually like mm. A, a, yeah. a gap forming between them, which I'm just, mm. yeah, I'm not getting mm. that at all. I just see so much more of an issue in player, I guess, mentality, being able to handle situations, leadership and all of that, rather than yeah. it being a complete, them not buying into Vossi. It's like, these guys just seem to crumble. They can't take the heat. Can you say that that's them not believing in Vossi or Vossi not being able to, get it out of them if the players potentially are such a massive problem. Cause like if they're so broken that like no one can get it out of them, then it's sure. not bossy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, exactly. anyway, it's Spot a great on. question. I really appreciate it. And that's kind of the chatter until we turn this around until we start winning games of football showing so much, it's just going to keep, keep happening. I'll get into votes. And then I want to touch on a big topic to finish this off. We've gone an hour, so let's try and get these done quickly. It's hard to keep talking about losses, but votes, Lockie. Who have you given your three, two, one votes to um, and why? Give me a bit of an explanation, a rationale. Can we get some alignment this week? Can we get a three, two, one both together? Let's wait and see. Feels like it's been a while. I'm giving my three to Chez. I touched on it before. I think that he... Can we go a bit of back wow. and forth here? I like this. I would, if we I would give your that. three, I'll give my three. We'll see if we can get it done. So, yes, tell me why, Chez. A, a shining light in this midfield where I was mm-hmm. pretty disappointed with the output mm. as a whole from the others. I agree. Given my three to Chera, I just think at the moment he's so in form. He just he doesn't seem to do much wrong. He's everywhere. Yeah, shining yeah, light. I agree. He doesn't, he doesn't seem to do much wrong. I agree. Pretty Two... Smart. I'm going to, uh, it's hard for me to take a bit of bias out in a game like this. So I will wear that a little bit, which is why I give Saad two. Are we together? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Give me um, explanation. Think, speaking of guys that don't seem to not do wrong, I thought he was extremely solid down back. I thought he was setting us up well on offense. He was looking to take those risks where he could. Smart handballs. Hmm. Um and I cannot believe that they're still booing him. It's funny. It is funny. Um, I've given my two to Adam Saad as well. Thought it's his best there game of the season. We've been very down on him so far. Mm. Haven't got him involved. Seemingly just not getting the ball in his hands. He got it a lot this week. And yeah, look to be one of the better movers and, and trying to make something happen for us. Everything you've said, nailed it. Adam Saad gets my two. It was a hard one to... I think give the two. It was a lot easier to maybe give a one, throw one of those oh, around to a few players. But the two for me was so much harder because I thought it was such a drop-off on guys you yes. could hold it up. But I think because it was Betsard's clear and away best game for this season that he sort of deserved that too. But I'm excited to see the one because I had about four people I could have maybe thrown a bone to. Yeah. Keen to see who you've given it to here. Can we finally get back aligned? 
I had a few as well, and I did I did change it a few times. So I'm not going to hold my breath that we're together here. Um, but I thought another guy that is generally pretty reliable, I think he had more of a positive impact than not. I am giving Sam Doherty one. Oh, we didn't get it. We're not aligned. We're not okay. aligned. Let I me mean, guess. Doc was... Doc was very close. Um, I was very close to giving it to bloody Chin Cotter for a goal, which is almost <laughs> sums it all up. Um, who do you think I've given the one to? Do you have any ideas? Weedering. Yes, I've given it to Jacob Weedering. Thought he's he's still not perfect, but he's getting more and more closer to the Jacob Weedering. You know, I, I thought his intercepts were really good. Obviously, there's some mistakes in that defense under so much pressure. I think they will happen, but. Overall, I thought it was better than it was bad, if that makes any sense. Um, there's definitely the good outweighed the bad for Weedering, and I think he gets one. And, yeah, hopefully he can keep building on this and we're getting closer to that All-Australian should have been so. uh, Jacob Weedering. But let us know your votes as well if you're listening on this. If you're on YouTube, comments, streaming, whenever you can. If you're listening while driving, please don't do it now. But... Never note that. Head over to the socials at Navy Blue Corner. Let us know your votes. Let us know what you think of everything we've gone through. Have any more questions? Hey, we can always try and answer them on the go as well. But last thing I want this to touch true. on, because we'll also have more plugs, a match build-up show later this week. Fingers crossed if we're both being able to get available. We'll see how that goes. I know I'm definitely sure a bit busier this week, but we'll try and make it happen for you, which will be available. So keep your eyes out and ears on that one. But Let's touch on this to wrap this episode up. A lot of a lot of issues with Carlton. Obviously, a big thing that happens when things aren't going well is uh, fan unrest. We're not happy, clearly. No one is content and loving what we're seeing right now. It always expands bigger because of social media and whatnot and at the ground. There's been a lot of opinions flying about. I'm keen to see if you've got much of an opinion on this because the big the big centerpiece at all of this was the footage players going down the race end of the game many yelling people dropping their scarves at them people throwing memberships onto the ground people saying they never mm. want to see a game football again people saying they're going to bloody go for collingwood which is jesus christ get a hold of yourselves people and then obviously in that footage the guy yelling right at the playing group letting them know that it wasn't good enough that he wanted them to take the jumper off etc do you have much of an opinion on this? Because I know people on Twitter have gone hard. They've talked about it today, asking Harry about it. What are your thoughts on, I guess, the the state of the fans at the moment and that incident as well? I don't have much to say about the incident. Um, like, how how can you have any? How can any sane person have any different of opinion, really? Then obviously that's just not acceptable to be doing in a football game. It's in my opinion, there's just no, there's just nothing to be able to stand behind that as something that is a positive thing for the for the players, for us as supporters, for the community. It's just negative. But for those that are saying that they're burning their memberships, calling the club, saying that this is the last straw and all of that, um, I guess my my feeling right now is everyone is definitely entitled to their own opinion. And you don't have to support this club if you don't want to. Mm. But if you're putting that out there, please do not fucking come back. I do not want you supporting this team. And I'm oh, extremely going hard passionate here. This is about big. that. 
it drives me fucking insane if I see that kind of thing and then you're back on next week. Absolutely mm. despise that behavior. I know people are get going against these people and I am in support of them because back this club through thick and thin. You, Ian Brownie, uh, have been very hard on this club this season and I know that you will love this club until the day you die. Mm. If people are not that passionate and they want to jump off, by all means, go for it. Don't come back. Yeah, wow. I like that. I like a bit of fire from you. Don't I hate know if you're that. An hour into this one, and it's so interesting. Like everyone, everyone does things differently. Everyone's a different person. Everyone has different opinions. I, I find it. I have no issue with someone being like, "Look, I'm not as invested right now, and I can't give my time. I don't want to go to the game. It's causing me too much. Whatever. Yeah. I don't have an issue with that. Sure. If someone's like, Look, I, can't, I can't go anymore. I just, I get it's it. Hurt me because it, 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 it comes from the place of care." Of like, I love this club so much. I'm so passionate about this. I just can't take it emotionally anymore. And, and that is more. not an issue. That is not an issue. Like, I don't know. If, like, I know this week, I almost didn't go because one, I had work incredibly early the next morning, and I knew getting into the city, getting out of the city, was going to be an absolute nightmare. I was going to have yeah. no sleep, and it was just going to destroy my Monday. And so I was like, is it just better to stay home? But there's that stupid part of me that goes, well, fuck, if we beat Essendon this week, I have to be there. And that's my dumb mentality. It's why I went to bloody every stupid home game we had when we won two games in, what, 2018. Yep. And that's just that's just how I do it. That that doesn't mean that's correct. doesn't mean anything because people are different. But I was almost at that point where I was like, I don't want to be here. I, I don't know if I want to stay during this game because it's not giving me joy. I think when people are like, I don't want to support this club, whatever, it's like, well, do you really support them? Because you, you would never you would never think that if you were actually legit a fan of anything because you don't just jump off completely and go support another team. That's just not how it is. And mm-hmm. as far as a guy like yelling abuse, I, I feel like I've got a slightly different opinion, but I've got the same okay. opinion. And people have like lambasted people on this. And maybe you feel that way. It's like, I don't agree with it. I don't like it when people just hurl complete abuse at the players and yell at them and whatnot. I don't like it. It's not the behavior I want us fans to be doing. I'm not saying it's like just, but I'm like, I understand that people are frustrated and that for them is how they get it out. Not saying I agree with it. Oh, that's a slippery slope. Not accepting it, not accepting it. But there's a part of me that thinks, all they said, all that guy said was take your jumper off. You're a disgrace. The bit I have a bit more of an issue with was when he goaded and went specifically for Silvani. But like, was it that bad? Like, and obviously like being a fan of like soccer over the world, there's a lot more fucking abuse that comes with that. I feel like the reaction has been way over the top for it. Like, I have no issue with people being like, I don't want that, stamp that out. Don't want people hurling abuse at the players continually getting super personal. I have no issue with that. People, whatever. I just, people are frustrated. I get it. And they're probably venting it in slightly incorrect ways. But I don't know. I just felt like the reaction was slightly over. It's like, Mm. he didn't bloody throw a bottle at the players. He was frustrated and yelled at them. He probably slightly overcrossed the mark with certain things he said, and that's not acceptable. But mm. 
I don't know. I hope, I hope we're a better fan base than that. I hope we don't get into that because I don't love that behavior. But I feel like that's just part and parcel with the world we live in where that kind of thing will happen. And that to just lose your marbles and say, strip that bloke of, ban him from ever going and seeing a footy game again. I thought that that was a bit overkill, but maybe I'm incorrect in that. And I'm happy to wear that. We are the laughing stock of the AFL right now. And people like that are what are representing us as a supporter base. And I had four different people ask me today about that clip and how much is going off the rails. And I think the least that we can do as supporters is not add even more fuel to this fire of us just being an absolute embarrassment and not build this, build a divide between us and the players. Like, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I yeah, get what no, you're saying. I, I get what you're saying. Like it, it could be so much worse than than just some words. It's mm, like, yeah. calm down. And but I, it's also like this is so representative of of where we're at right now, which is just mm, a full embarrassment. No, and, and I agree with that. And I think that's the perfect moment to touch on because I think as fans, if we can do anything while we're frustrated, it's don't call up on talkback and make an idiot out of yourself, yelling at one never on fired because. All this, as you've said, all that does is literally give opposition fans something to go at us. And bloody opposition fans yeah. have tried to have a go at Carlton supporters for thinking that they're going to win a game of football, which is ludicrous on Twitter for anyone Correct. saw them have a go at Paolo for thinking, oh, we might beat Adelaide. It's like, oh, newsflash. A, a supporter thought his team might win a game of football. You've got him. What a great gotcha. Like you're an absolute idiot. But right now, yeah. If you if you if you feel like the best way to support them is going to the game and, and hoping for the best, do it. If you think it's if you you want to stay home, that is absolutely fine. There's no issue with how you want to support in that way. But I think yeah, the the more we can be positive on things and not make ourselves look like fucking idiots, I definitely agree that that is what we need yeah. to do. But that's going to wrap this yeah. episode up. It's been a rough one, a rough <clears throat> loss. You don't want to lose to Essendon. It puts us in a really tricky position. We've got Gold Coast up. We have to move on. We move. We go again this Sunday at the MCG. We'll be building up this game. We'll be previewing it later in this week. Keep your eyes peeled on socials for it. Wherever you listen to this podcast, wherever you watch it on YouTube, it'll be there later this week. Go the baggers. See you guys next time.